We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, so don't, don't make it. All right, welcome in to another BuzzBeat podcast. This will be another preview of the 2023 NBA draft, uh, another draft, another prospects episode. I'm Brian. Uh, I will be once again joined by Lee today as we're going to go through four returning prospects uh, that are going to be returning to college basketball for either their second or third season, or, or I guess in the case of, a, of one of the guys, uh, a fifth season of college basketball and really excited to get into these guys. I've really enjoyed going through some of these draft prospects with, with Lee so far this season. Hope you guys are as well. Again, please continue to give us feedback uh, prospects. You'd like to see covered uh, sort of topics you'd like to see touched on. We know we're getting ahead of things a little bit. It's not really draft season, but Never too early to start, and um, so yeah, we're going to just keep rolling with these things. We will say the next draft pod that comes after this one, we're, we're excited. It's not totally hashed all the way out yet, but we do think we're going to have um, Richie join us on that one for uh, for the production aspect. We're hoping to do a, a video podcast on Scoot Henderson, one of the you know 1A, 1B, one of the top two prospects for the draft, who's heading into his second season with uh, G League Ignite. So very excited for that coming up. So keep an eye on that. But before we get to the prospects today, before we get to Scoot Henderson, Lee, coming from a, a new undisclosed location here in Raleigh, probably not too far from where I'm situated, actually. But how are you doing, my man? How are things? I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm hoping that uh, this new... Uh um proximity is gonna maybe you know maybe help our connection help our chemistry a little bit you know um hey you might even might even have a in person at one of these days i mean why why not you know yeah Um, but yeah look it's always draft season on on the buzz beat uh on the buzz beat pod and uh i am i am also excited that you know we are we are getting into a 
obviously returners so far, and we'll start we'll start with Scoot at some point next week. We'll probably you know at some point do Victor as yeah. well. I would think I, um, yeah, we'll have to do Weminyama at some point as well. Who's a guy that I have seen probably play? Uh, I would say a handful of games. Granted, some in you know FIBA U nineteen, but yep. we're excited to get to that. Well, I'm glad you're doing well. And uh, I don't know when this podcast will release, but um, at the time of this recording, we did put up uh, another pod that came out earlier this week that I recorded with uh, Spencer Percy and, of course, Richie. That one was uh, previewing the schedule for the Charlotte Hornets the day after the schedule drop from the NBA for the upcoming season. We also did sort of like, um, like an expansion team type protection draft for eight players on the Hornets roster would also like to wish a uh, belated happy birthday to LaMelo ball. Uh, yeah. So anyways, with that in mind, <laughs> let's, uh, let's jump right on in and we're going to start with a guy that, um, is returning for his second season. Uh, had a nice freshman year playing for Pepperdine. That would be one Maxwell Lewis, uh, Max Lewis in the eyes of some. And, I would even say in recent weeks, he sort of created a bit of a buzz because Pepperdine went on their once every four year international trip that various men's and women's college programs are are allowed to do to get some scrimmages in, get some exhibition games in, get some extra practice in and, and some travel. And Lewis played quite well, or at least put up some highlights in those games. Uh, there was one dunk I saw him throw down that was absolutely Nasty, but 6'7", 195 pounds, definitely a a little skinny, but long, rangy wing, good frame, and, you know, the kind of frame where it looks like he, it's projectable, he should be able to add weight, he'll fill out, and again, with the, with the, with the length, with the explosion, uh, the functional athleticism is someone that I do think uh, projects well physically to the next level, assuming he's able to add, again, a, a little bit more a little bit more power. Let's start here. Now that we touched on you know the athleticism very, very briefly and, and Lee, feel free at any point in time to, to comment and, and chime in here, but I would just speak with, I'll start off with what I think is sort of the most intriguing part of Lewis's game is like the, the off dribble creation and the, the handle for Lewis at that size. The handle needs to tighten up. Um, it's loose. There are some games. One of the one of the, the game he played. He only played in one of the matchups against Gonzaga this season in the WCC. But you could tell some of the smaller guys from Gonzaga were able to kind of get inside his jersey and bother him. And once he once he loses that inside leverage, he can be you know a bit of a, a bit of a turnover machine at times this past season. So that is something to monitor. Twenty two point three percent turnover rate. Not all of that is like getting ripped or whatever, but that is something to monitor. I do think that the, the handle is not quite as functional as maybe you'd like for it to be. However, he will try some absolutely wild stuff with the basketball in terms of uh, you know shot creation. Come off the bench and on the first touch, you know, step back, three point attempt. He's not shy. He's, He's not, not shy. shy. Definitely not shy. And there's some there's some legitimate. Uh, there's some legitimate space creation within that, within those step back maneuvers, the crossover combo moves with, you'll even see him try wild stuff like a behind the back gather going downhill into a runner, you know, coming out of isolation, attacking closeout or or out of pick and roll. I don't know if I totally buy it, buy into it at this moment. 
but I would say it's maybe not a bad thing to bet on because he does some pretty intriguing, creative, patient stuff. Come off a pin down, isolate, ball fake, get into a step back game, create space and get up for, get you know, take a jump shot. He can make guys miss with multiple fakes, handle maneuvers, and all package it into, you know, one quick touch possession. So there are times where I do think he gets a little sticky with the basketball. He'll put his head down over dribble. He'll put himself in a bad spot. He'll miss easy passes and then force a challenging uh, a challenging pass for a turnover. So the, the process is not always great. And it will also result in him taking some just wild off dribble three-point attempts. It is kind of funny at times to monitor if you can if if the Pepperdine bench is in the shot when Lewis is kind of getting into his uh his one-on-one or pick and roll three-point attempts and it's it's early in the shot clock or it's in transition or whatever it's just funny to kind of monitor the the Pepperdine coaching staff because um well I think they are they're encouraging of him and and certainly this is a guy that put up a usage rate of almost 30% this past season. So they, they weren't asking him to be shy, but there are times where you can just see them if they have hair still uh, kind of tugging at it a little bit, maybe pulling it out. So well, and, uh, to that point, BG, like three of their best six players were freshmen. So yeah. I, I think that was just kind of the growing pains altogether with this Pepperdine team, but talented, like they're, young they're, and talented. I mean, they're going to be a team to watch uh, in, in the, in the WCC next season, in part because of Lewis, in part because of Houston Millette, who is another, is one of the best shooters in the country. One of the best shooting prospects for next season's draft. That's also on that Pepperdine roster and, uh, Mike Mitchell, I think, is the name of the point guard who is also was mistake prone this past season, but but definitely has some talent. But with Lewis and Millette, they've got two of the best prospects returning in the country on that Pepperdine team, um, coached by none other than Lorenzo Romar. As far as the shot goes, last thing that I'll that I'll mention in here, then then Lee, I'll I'll let you take over. But high release point has some nice touch on the shot, and the versatility is is pretty legit. Shoots it from a bunch of different levels can create for his own shot out of isolation, out of post-ups, you play make in the mid post, um, is a guy that can really come off pin downs and make plays coming off down screens. That's something I'd like to touch on a little bit more before we finish up on Lewis. So I like the shot and I see kind of the creation upside with uh, with that six foot seven frame in the long arms. So I'm intrigued by Lewis, the athleticism, the ranginess and betting on that shot creation and the shot itself. And this is a guy that I, I think could sneak into, or maybe not quite there yet, but could sneak in his way into becoming a, a first round prospect uh, sooner rather than later. So before we sort of talk about defense and some other aspects, Lee, why don't you get in uh, here on, on Maxwell Lewis? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad we started off with him because I do feel like, um, at least from my perspective, I feel like he has the most volatile outcome potentially of all four of these prospects. Like you could convince me, like you could pretty easily convince me that Maxwell Lewis needs to come back for his junior year. You could also probably convince me that Maxwell Lewis becomes like a top 30 pick. And and I think anytime you're dealing with this, like the physical profile, like you said, he's 6'7", 
like lengthy wing with guard skills that shot the ball pretty, pretty efficiently. His season was, was cut short a little bit. I think he played 21 games in his freshman year, but he shot 36% from three on like, you know, four attempts a game, like pretty decent volume. Wasn't like he was just a, a, you know, shoot it here or there guy. Like, like you mentioned, when he got in, he was raring to go to score the basketball. He was an 80% free throw shooter too. So like, he just has a pretty, mature uh like you said kind of a elongated high release jump shot um with with great arc with great touch so so anytime you're dealing with a six seven efficient jump shooter that also like when he gets out into the open court uh you know obviously he's six seven six seven and lengthy so that helps but he throws down i mean this dude you know will windmill in in the open floor he, he can be pretty disruptive in the passing lanes at times um, when he's like gambling intelligently. So when you mix like the length, the athleticism, the height and the shooting, like just with that, you're already talking about a guy who has to at least be in the conversation as like an NBA uh, prospect, you know, 11, 11 points, three rebounds in his freshman year. He did, like you alluded to, Brian, you know, he was doubled up on turnovers to assist. So, you know, you, you like to see uh, guards go two to one on their turnover ratio. He was one to two, which is the opposite of what you which is the opposite of what you want. So I think he does have a long way to go in terms of kind of playmaking for others. Um, obviously, you mentioned his weight. He's 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 definitely on the light side. And there's just a lot of uncertainty around him. I mean, you know, we basically saw him for a little over half of half of a freshman year. The the efficiency is encouraging, but like what can he build on? Because one of the things I have in my notes, um, and I'll kind of use this as a way to kick it back to you, is under kind of like his pro list, like his pros for me was isolation creation in small spaces. So like if he catches it on the wing in isolation against a defender, as you mentioned, he's got some nice kind of jab series, jab, go the other way, quick step back, create space, pull up. Like he loves that move. He's got a nice, just kind of like put it on the floor, dribble, pull up stuff. That's all solid and like shows some really nice, I would say even like more than flashes. Like he shows that a good bit where he gets in trouble, I think, and where he's going to have to where he's going to have to progress either becoming like a very good defender or being able to put it on the floor for more than, you know, more than two dribbles and create for others. Cause right now he's a turnover machine. He doesn't create for others. Although in those small isolation spaces, he does have creation ability and that's super valuable at his size and length. Yeah. Well, well said on, on Lewis. I agree with you in terms of the, the one-on-one creation, being able to g- get into the mid range and do it too is, is interesting uh, for a guy that, that got up over 12, three point attempts for 100 possessions this season. The numbers are just kind of interesting with him. Uh, not super efficient, 29 and a half percent usage rate, which is huge for a guy that had a sub 23% free throw attempt rate, but 3% block rate, 3.3% steal rate, eight dunks, shot almost 64% at the rim with a fair amount of like self-created attempts. And then we, you know, Lee touched on the three-point volume and the free throw efficiency. So it's a it's a smaller sample, but he he does strike me as a guy that has watched 
Um, maybe it's maybe it's because he's a West Coast guy and he's wearing the number 24, but he strikes me as a guy that's watched some Paul George film at some point in his life. And and that really stands out to me when I see him coming off. I like that. When I see yeah. him coming off down screens, like he's not at this point, I don't think of Maxwell Lewis as a guy you're just gonna give him, I don't know, a two dozen pick and roll attempts per game or you know, whatever, a dozen pick and you know, it's maybe a handful or whatever, but he can really make plays and make reads coming off those down screens. One of the nicest passes I've seen him throw was uh, the, the game against Gonzaga that he played. He came off a you know weak side pin down, kind of caught it in the mid-range area going to his left. He caught it, he jabbed left, and then immediately dribbled right. Two of the Gonzaga guys, the chase defender, and I think it was probably Drew Timmy, because uh, I don't think Holmgren would have bit like this, but both, uh, maybe it was Anton Watson, I think it was Timmy, but both guys go with him, and he just instantly, this this just beautiful pocket pass, um, as he's almost fading out of bounds to to his teammate for a layup at the rim, very impressive. So he's a guy that can kind of, uh, I think, create passing windows uh, and use his size, use his touch as a passer, and use his creativity. Like, I don't, the turnover rate's obviously not great, and some of the self inflicted errors are disappointing, but I like that he takes chances. Um, and for a guy his size that moves like that, I think that's the thing you're trying to bet on is the frame, the athleticism, the movement, and the, the creativity uh, as a guy that can either make plays for others or use it to get to a shot can give you some mid-range scoring, can get to the rim a little bit and and again has the has some like pretty special shot making tendencies that uh you know we'll see how it looks so hopefully over the course of a full season this year but Lewis is a guy to keep an eye on. I know it might be tough especially for people that aren't super plugged into the draft or aren't going to stay up and watch a lot of Pepperdine games or catch those replays or whatever but that that does seem like a name to keep an eye on and um yeah, you just again long wing that has some defensive upside. I would just real quickly, then we can move on to the next guy. I would just like to touch on his defense very briefly. With that length, he does have the the ability to be a pest guarding certain players. I think his work as a chase defender is solid, like good work rate. He uses his length to deny passes. Um, you know that would be a kick out, or again when he's sort of like floating and guarding off ball movers coming off screen, just smooth and active in those situations. And I think just the, the responsiveness uh, as like a, as a help defender is also solid hitting his weak side rotations, hitting his stunts against Gonzaga, hitting his stunts uh, in some of the other games that I've seen him in, you know, when, when teams get to pick and pops and stuff like that, the game, I watched one of the games against Pacific. They used a lot of zone. When he was the low man on the weak side in the zone, you could see him pointing stuff out, communicating, calling things, just kind of being active and alert in the back line. So we touched way more on the offense than the defense there, but it's not just the length and the athleticism. Uh, he does have some good traits on that side of the floor that uh, that that make me uh, a little bullish for him being not a stopper, but a guy that can give you some versatility and, and be, be an active and, and useful team defender too. So again, Lewis, the two way upside is, is, uh, is an interesting bet. And I will be fascinating to see. I, the first thing you said, Lee, was that it, it does feel like a little combustible. And yeah, if the, if the three point shot takes a step back, if the playmaking continues to sort of like plateau at creative, but, 
more frustrating than successful or however you want to describe that. I, I could, I could see there being, uh, you know, a depletion, a little bit of his stock, but I think there's just a lot of room for upside here and hoping to see it over the course of a full season. And then my, my only final thoughts would be one, like Pepperdine just has been kind of an interesting program here under Romar for the last yeah. couple of years with, Ke- yeah. you know, Kessler Edwards. And then this next like crop that is, that is currently rising sophomores for them. And then the only other thing on Lewis is, he is a little older than most rising freshmen. Like he's already yeah. 20. So not that that, I mean, you know, nine months, whatever, like it's not a huge deal. I just think that's, it's at least worth noting that he'll probably be 21 when he's drafted as a sophomore, if he comes out next year. Nope. Great point. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's slide on to the next guy here. Uh, We're going from the West Coast to the Southeast uh, and... We're sliding over to Ole Miss and uh, combo the deep south. Two guard, yeah, very much the deep south. Oxford, Mississippi, uh, the Grove, you guys. But yeah, Matthew Morell, six four, two hundred or pardon me, six four, two hundred pound, two guard. Maybe you could label him a, a combo, but given how much he functioned as as sort of uh, an off ball mover, he ran you know plenty of pick and roll this past season as well with Jarkel Joyner and I'm blanking on uh, Ruffin I think is the name of the other guard who's yeah this, this yeah they got hurt and, yeah they got hurt but you know Ty Fagan and Luis Rodriguez are two guys, two other guys that you know use played with the ball a little bit too but certainly Jarkel Joyner who's 
transferred up to NC State, uh, is a neighbor uh, of you and I now, Lee. Uh, and we, Man, he's a blur in the open floor, too. Yeah, we'll be I playing mean, with Terquavion Smith, who we, we touched on well, the first college prospects pod that we did a couple of weeks ago. But, Morell, uh, let's start, as we like to, with the, the athletic traits, the body type. In my eyes, explosive, quick leaper, even off of a live dribble. I, one of the games I, I I went through or recently for Ole Miss and Morrell was the, I guess it was the final game of the season they played against Missouri in the SEC tournament. And he had one of the nastiest half court dunks. I think I've seen just kind of you know the last couple of months going back through tape uh, of this past season where he got by his guy, just dusted his guy off the dribble. It was either one-on-one pick and roll, whatever it was. He turned the corner, he got downhill and he did it so quickly that on the back line for Missouri is now he's now at Arkansas, but the time it was Trevin Brazil, one of the best help defenders, weak side rim protectors in the country. And is another guy that is a legit prospect for the 2023 draft. A guy that I think's really picked up steam, but Morel just beats him to the rim. Even though Brazil's the guy that's, 6'10", 6'11", he's in good position. He's a pretty quick processor on the back line, but Morel just got from the three-point arc to the rim in an instant, and he can like he can jump, too. He's an above-the-rim finisher, especially if he has a little bit of a runway, but it doesn't have to be in transition. Like He can get it done in the half court. He, can, he really can heat up the rim at times, but my favorite part of Morel's offense... And not to not to sort of we just kind of went over some of this stuff with Lewis, but is his work as a an off ball mover on offense? I love him as a cutter. Uh, if defenders top lock or overplay on the denials when he's moving without the basketball, he's going to cut back door. It's the constant movement. It's not just the design screen usage of which old Ole Miss had a lot of that in their offense, but there's a lot of random cuts. There's relocations. And again, he can just puncture a defense when they kind of forget about him or overplay on him without a play being designed for him. And so, I, again, I really like his ability to just move without the basketball, either design looks or, again, sort of just in the flow of a possession or late clock when things are starting to tighten up and he's willing to cut diagonally or vertically or relocate and, and, and you know, play make off of that. Pretty impressive. Quick release with the jumper. Doesn't need much time or space to get it off. Um, and so I just, I'm very impressed with his ability to get his feet set, get square to the rim, and get off what I think is a, a rather aesthetically pleasing jump shot. Big time three-point range. Coming off screens, down screens, pin downs, flares. Again, Ole Miss drew up a lot of stuff for him. And he had a big shooting jump. Uh, this past season, his freshman year, two years ago, he shot under 30% from three-point line. He shot under 34% on twos. He shot under 56% from the free throw line. Well, as a sophomore, 75% from the line, 39% from downtown with almost 92% of his three-point makes being assisted and shot 47.5% on twos, including plenty of unassisted finishes at the rim, and unassisted finishes in the mid-range. Nine dunks on the season, not a ton, but again, the ones he had were pretty special at times, and not just sort of like you know cheapies in the open court. 
Uh, for my money, though, one of the best movement shooters in the, the country, advanced screen usage, lethal coming off pin downs. If the chase defender isn't locked in, um, Morell's movement, off-ball screen usage, he's just taking that guy out of the action. He's going to get open, and he just creates open looks time after time in these tight pockets of space when you know it seems like Ole Miss is sort of just kind of running through the motions of half-court offense, and then all of a sudden, bang. He's he's flying off of a staggered screen or a pin down. Beautiful one-two shot prep footwork coming off those downstreams and really just explodes off the catch, gets off the floor, able to shoot over contest. You see even taller guys close out on him with decent timing. But again, because of his his pop coming off the, the floor, because of his screen usage, he's kind of able to just shoot over guys, even against pretty good length. And that, that quick release doesn't hurt. But he's not just a shooter coming off those down screens. He'll look to pass. He'll look to get downhill. He'll curl and attack. He'll shot fake and drive, shot fake and pro hop. He loves using that little pro hop to get to the rim. And he'll also come off of one of those down screens and isolate and look to get to his mid-range game where he can hit pull-ups, he can hit a step back, or he can, again, try to pressure the rim and get downhill a little bit. So that versatility with him as an off-ball scorer, an off-ball mover, a guy that doesn't need... Uh, a lot of time with the basketball to be pretty dangerous and, and set up other guys, I think is pretty special. So, Lee, I'll flip it over to you. What are your thoughts on the the rising junior guard from the SEC? Well, you may have just sold me, BG. That was – I, I think that, that, like, you made the perfect case for him. I, I think, you know, one of the things that – to take it back to 2020, one of the things that I loved so, so much about Emmanuel Quickly – was his ability to relocate into space. And that is something that Morell does incredibly well. Like just this kind of innate instinct to driver going baseline, slide to opposite corner, uh, pick and roll uh, on the other side of the court, slide into the open space at, at the on the opposite wing when his guy's tagging. Like those little things that, you know, you, you may not notice unless you're really watching for it. And, and, and all of a sudden he's shooting like a wide open jumper where he shoots 38% from, by the way. And, and it's, there, there's a little bit more behind the scenes going on there to how he is kind of manufacturing those wide open jump shots. He is a fantastic shooter. You, you said it perfectly. So I'll repeat it. An aesthetically pleasing jump shot. Like it's just a pretty, pretty looking shot. He's also got, uh, like, like you mentioned the footwork, he's got really nice kind of like jab step footwork too, you know, um, pump fake, one, one, two dribble pull up, like rise up, knock it in, love all that stuff. I just, in like in the notes I was saying, I just kind of like described him as this kind of mature, poised, never forces anything, gets things in the flow of the offense, a fantastic like down screen, pin down reader that you mentioned. You know, and those are all like cerebral, instinctual things for a basketball player to understand when you need to curl when a defender's trailing you, to understand when you need to fade when the defender's trying to cheat over the top. Like reading those screens and popping or curling at the correct times is like the little tiny split second things that is the difference between an open shot and a contested shot. And he does really, he does really good stuff at that. Um, nice, nice off ball mover again, like the intelligence. I think what will be interesting for him next year, obviously, like, like I wonder 
if and you mentioned him as being kind of like a spot pick and roll player, I wonder if he'll be a little more involved now um, as like a as like a little bit of a higher and like you wouldn't want him necessarily to become like a super high usage guy because of all those good qualities we just described on why he's so effective off the ball. But I do think in turn, if we're talking about NBA projection, I do think at some point you do want to see him become a little bit more effective as like an on the ball guy at times as well, which again, to like allude to Emmanuel quickly. Like I, I always thought he had some uncovered like, on-ball playmaking, which he's shown now, you know, after two years in the NBA. So I think he'll need a little bit of that because he, you know, he's he's not undersized, but he's not massive either. You know, we're talking like a like a six-four kind of combo two guard. And, and and so he may be more featured this year. Like some of some of those, you know, you, you mentioned Joyner at NC State. Obviously, uh the other guard will be coming back from injury. So so that'll be interesting too. High volume and shot 153s on the year. Just a fantastic shooter. Uh, I think for me, the concerns are, you know, can he do enough on the ball in a pinch as like a secondary or tertiary creator? Can he hold up defensively and can he create for others? Um, You've seen some of these, you've seen some of these archetypes. Like like I'd almost compare him. He's probably a better athlete than this guy, but like Tyshawn Alexander from Creighton a couple years ago, like kind of cut out of that mold. And, and those guys are like, and, 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 and I don't think we're, I don't think we're advertising him as anything more than this, but like kind of a top 60 fringe guy, like floating around. But if all of a sudden he's in a more featured role this year and shows a little bit more on the ball, you know, you might start talking about him as a, as a top 50, 45 type guy. So that, that's kind of where I see him. Yeah, I like the I like the Alexander comp. Um, you know, one of those best case scenarios is it, is it like Courtney Lee type? You know what I mean? It, totally, totally. You, you were sort of in that 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 the undersized combo two guard, but going to need to show you to to be able to actually you know be a guy that the teams would use as like an off ball mover in the NBA. You've got to you've got to give other stuff for that to actually be like playable and scalable or whatever but again the awareness is good like he's just a heads up player makes nice passes in transition or in scramble situations or when he's asked to flash the nail um against the zone defense he just makes the right plays consistently i don't think he like needs a ball screen to get around guys like he can beat guys off the dribble even if that's sort of not his his primary mode of of usage but he can look for his own offense or work as a facilitator off the ball screen too. Again, he didn't get got like a fair number, but not like a ton of pick and roll volume. And certainly like Ruffin will be like the main pick and roll guy for Ole Miss next season. But Morell, I think, is in line to get to get more of it. And I, I'm curious to see how that looks. But if you watch enough games, you will see him make some pretty impressive passes out of out of the pick mm-hmm. and roll. I know some people kind of like to write off the, the weak side skip in part because a people like uh, Lee or myself, we, you know, we talk about it cause it, it looks cool and it travels <laughs> and it's impressive, but maybe you're not having to like really read that many components. You know what I mean? As that's, as that's happening. I, again, I still think it's r- rather in- impressive, but maybe it's not the most sort of like advanced multi-layered read or whatever but he can hit a skip like absolutely you know he can be with the ball in the slot and find a guy weak side in the deep corner um if the defense is not like where it needs to be rotating on the backside or if they're a little little loose on the backside if those connections aren't there if that's not crisp like he'll pick out guys and put 
it on the money as a, as a passer. I, the flashes with the pick and roll passing, I think were pretty impressive this year. Lee, you brought up the size. It's a little bit of a concern. You know, he's listed at six, four. So he's probably, you know, six, two and a half, six, three, whatever. So, you know, he'll have to lean into the athleticism and lean into being a pest a little bit. And maybe he can guard one or two positions on the next level, but look, he will get in a stance and slide his feet. And I do think he's strong in his upper body and he does move laterally. Uh, so there's some there's some chance for him to be a guy that can give you some punch at the point of attack. And that's the other path for him, right? Like if if some of the other stuff doesn't come along, it's become a great point of attack defender. I, I think the again, I think he's there as a team defender and a guy that that rotates. He's very active. He I there was one of the games I was watching the other day where he he broke up a lob. Um, crashing. It was a pick and roll lob play, and he came out of the corner, and I think he got whistled for a foul. But it was one of those like very impressive and just sort of uh, uh, oh, very in terms of court awareness and 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 having the athleticism to actually like react to that. I thought was 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 rather impressive. So I, I kind of like where he is as a backside helper, but the lack of the lack of size is again is a bit of a limiting factor in all of these departments, save for maybe the point of attack, assuming the strength is able to translate. But I, I do think, I don't think he's like, he's not skinny nor, nor is he weak. I think at times the, the strength shows up, but at the end of the day, you know, 200 pounds is, is 200 pounds. So I think I'm finished with Morel. Are you ready to move on to another Matthew or do you, anything else you'd yeah. like to add in here? No. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's keep the Matthew trend going. Uh, a, a player that m- most any even, casual college basketball fans should be familiar with uh, because it is his fifth year uh, in the NCAA, a former national champion, Matthew Meyer, uh, fifth year. Uh, I'm assuming grad transfer. I'm assuming he graduated probably maybe, maybe twice at Baylor at, the, at this point. <laughs> he was there for um, a while, man. Yeah. He'll be in, he'll be in uh, Champaign at Illinois this season, six, nine, 225 pounds. Um, was, had his most involved role this season at Baylor, uh, averaged you know ten points a game, five rebounds a game, and an assist, and, and and a steal, and nearly a block. So kind of was one of those guys that, at his size with his skill, contributed in a ton of different ways. His shooting splits this year were 40, 70, 32, but it was like by far his biggest volume shooting year um, in his four years at Baylor. It's weird because, you know, it seems like he's been around forever because, you know, his first three years in Baylor, it was a more limited role, but like he played as a freshman. So, you know, it it feels like he's been around big wing with size, with, with awesome guard skills. Like, like Meyer will break you down, you know, at six, nine, He'll, he'll kind of get the hips down, get the shoulders down, hit you with a couple co- uh, crossover combinations, try and create, try and get to the rim. He's like a uh, unafraid, um, unapologetic kind of like offensive spark plug um, and, and a creative, like like a creative player, a creative scorer. Um, obviously, he's he's been in a you know incredibly uh, winning program at Baylor under Scott Drew, capped off by the title two years ago, and will – you know, theoretically, conceivably kind of being maybe a little bit of like a playmaking role at Illinois, potentially with more usage and less of a less of a supporting uh, cast member like he was 
specifically to Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler, obviously, for, for multiple years at Baylor. I think before kicking it over to you, Brian, I think what I'm concerned about uh, with Meyer is kind of this this overall like development arc. Like I mentioned as he was like, you know, he he was on the scene as a freshman. Like he he wasn't in a in a massive role, but but he was in the rotation as a freshman and showed these showed these like playmaking flashes that he still has. And I I I kind of felt like in his four years at Baylor that he didn't quite improve as rapidly as I thought he might initially, if that makes sense. Now he did become more efficient in his sophomore and junior year in a supporting role again with NBA guards on his team. So like he shot upper thirties from three in his sophomore and junior year. And then he dipped back down again as a senior at 32% again, albeit on higher volume. So I think that's like a very fair caveat. He, he his biggest jump production wise came between his sophomore and junior year where he went from like being just a kind of uh, 12 minute a game guy, five points, a couple rebounds to being like truly solidified in the rotation um, and, and, and still coming off the bench, but, but providing a bit more scoring. I, so I've just kind of always been a little bit, I guess, frustrated in, in a way that he didn't ever like fully pop. Like he, he always like slightly improved. I think he just never had this big coming out year where he like, improved 15% and just completely became a prospect. Um, that may happen this year. I'm not saying it won't. I, I, I just, and I know that's a little more like meta and a little more like big picture. It's, it's just something that's always bothered me with him a little bit. That being said, I think he's a very real prospect. I'm fascinated to see what he does at Illinois in a different system, uh, in a different location. Cause sometimes Sometimes that's all you need is just a different situation to truly like become the full version of yourself. So we'll see if that happens. Go ahead, BG. Yeah, I mean that that Illinois team is I think going to be pretty fascinating to watch. Uh, the backcourt has turned over. Uh, obviously, we saw um, uh, Andre Corbello left. Um, so the the team that the backcourt that we were used to from a couple of years ago is just you know Trent Frazier is gone. So it's a different look, but the front court is pretty awesome for Illinois with Meyer, Taryn Shannon Jr., who's another veteran prospect, fourth-year guy that left Texas Tech and was Illinois, and Coleman Hawkins, who... Sorry, BG, just... I, I'm sorry, just uh, before... Like, Shannon Jr. and Meyer, could they, they complement each other so perfectly. It's incredible. I mean, they have... Yeah. It's amazing that Illinois has, along with Coleman Hawkins, who's a fringy... Pro, I mean, he needs to get stronger, but it's sort of like a prospect at the at the 4-5 or five for them, but they've added these two veteran wing forwards, you know, NBA-sized wings that have been a part of two, you know, roughhouse Big 12 programs, you know, combined, nine, you know, uh, only, what, eight years of college basketball experience. So it's... Uh, it's fat. Those were two huge gets. NIL was a, was a big boon uh, for, for Brad Underwood in Illinois this season. But yeah, as far as Meyer goes, like the development arc, you brought it up. It's interesting. I mean, who knows? Maybe it would have been fascinating to have seen him at Baylor this past year, if not for the arrival of so Jeremy Sohan uh, and Kendall Brown, who then came in to being the, the two big 
playmaking wings. And Akenjo, yeah. Akenjo, totally. who just too much with him with the basketball <laughs> this this past year uh, for my for my liking, uh, at least. And there were certainly some good good lineups with Sohan as like a small ball five. But Meyer's interesting. I think because of because he did shoot a fair number of threes, I do think there was some rep that he was like a pure stretch four, right? And even in, in our neck of the woods here uh, in ACC country, as UNC was going after him this past year, sort of thinking he might be the de facto Brady Manic replacement, there was a lot of buzz kind of around the triangle and tobacco road. You know, Brady Manic, he's the next stretch four. And it's like, he, that's not really like who he is. Like he can shoot, he can shoot threes, but he's not just like a movement guy. You brought up some of the creation flashes. The pull-up shooting numbers this past season weren't great. Like almost they're only 37% effective shooting off pull-ups, but smooth stroke, high release. Like he's more of a wing forward to me than he is a pick and pop big guy. You know what I mean? So I, I again, he can do some totally of that agree. stuff, but totally he wants agree. to play with the ball a little bit more. It is interesting that, you know, his minutes jump this season, but the usage drops down from almost 25 to 21%. The free throw attempt rate drops down to under 21%. The assist rate, a under eight and a half percent. I think some of that again speaks to, there were a lot of mouths to feed and, and very good, you know, guys like Akinjo and Adam Flagler, but also just having elite talent uh, elsewhere with, with Sohan and, and especially, but also, Kendall Brown to a you know a lesser extent. So I'm curious to see what it looks like with Meyer. He's gonna be he's gonna be very good this season for Illinois. He tested the NBA draft waters this past season, decided to come back. I wasn't I hope I wasn't maligning his sort of off-ball usage just a minute ago. I'm just I don't think of him as a pure pick and pop guy. And I thought the comparisons to Brady Manic were kind of laughable in these parts because he's a like shaggy, completely different player, shaggy haired white guy from the big 12 that shoots threes, you know, exactly. <laughs> but, exactly. but he moves well without the ball. He's a good cutter. He doesn't remain stagnant when he's off the basketball. You, he'll cut in from the corner. He'll cut in from the slot. Uh, according to synergy he shot 70% this past season on basket cuts. So I, I think Meyer is a, is a solid prospect. He's older. And, uh, but he, he, at this point, you have to say like, to an extent he is proven against very good competition in the big 12 being a, a role player who could also play with the basketball a little bit and has at least in terms of height and, and length is NBA sized. And again, can play with the ball and shoot it from a couple different levels of the court. So interesting player, uh, to say the least. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's such a good point, BG. Like, it's easy to make those comparisons because of physical appearance, but the very, very different players. I, I also, I think of Meyer much more as a wing than, than I do um, a stretch four. So agreed there. All right. We good to move on to our, our last guy here. Yeah. Last guy. All right. Last guy. Uh, I, you know, personally, I think we probably saved the best for last year. Um, Arthur Kaluma rising sophomore, sophomore at Creighton, Six seven two thirty, you know, kind of built like a brick house. Um, averaged uh, ten and a half points, five and a half rebounds. Uh, another another young prospect that has his assist to turnover ratio flipped. Uh, obviously, going to have to hone that in a little bit. And 
probably wasn't as efficient as you'd like to see him. Um, 44% from the field, 67% from the free throw line, and 26% from the three-point line. I, I will say with Kaluma, I think a lot of the attraction and some of the buzz is he certainly was developing, I think, at a pretty rapid pace late in the season. Um, he did shoot a bit better from the three in conference play than he did overall. He was right around 31% in conference play from three. So you kind of see that starting to tick up a little bit. Some of my observations on this guy uh, on the pro side, on, on the plus side, like a pretty like mind-boggling out-of-area rebounder particularly on the defensive end of the court. Like, don't get me wrong, he'll fly in for some offensive rebounds too, but just an absolute glass cleaner defensively. Like, you know, one-handed snares, uh, you know, rebounding in traffic, like 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 four sets of arms going for the ball, and he just kind of emerges over the top, you know, gr- grappling the basketball. And part of that is just because he has really good instincts. I mean, he fills the lane really well, running in transition, whether that's on the wing or down the middle of the floor, kind of as a rim runner in transition, whether that's kind of sliding and, and helping as a, as, a, as a rotation help defender. Uh, I already mentioned kind of the strength that allows him to be a, a versatile defender. I, I'm like very sold and confident on him as a guy who can guard up the lineup. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people remember he had, he had a massive game against Kansas in the tournament that Creighton ended up losing. You know, that game – it is indicative of what his like high end outcome could be. I don't think it's necessarily the best game to watch to come away with like a full opinion of Kluma because he just shot the hell out of the ball. But one thing that I think is a fair takeaway from that game is he guarded McCormick for, for a lot of that game and, and held up pretty well, you know? And so like his strength, his versatility, his ability to get vertical around the rim, like, I think that's all pretty real. I do still have a little bit – like, I think he can eventually be a guy who can who can switch and slide a little bit and not just get completely torched um, against guards and wings. I think I'm less sold on that, in the, at least this far into the process, than I am on his ability to guard up against a guy like McCormick. Plus athlete, nose for the ball, huge motor, like just plays hard as hell. And then just to hit on some of the, the 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 cons that I see, and then to get your take on Kaluma BG, I think he is a pretty suspect off the dribble creator right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when when he makes shots like he did in the Kansas game, he does have a really nice pump fake. Like he sells his pump fake with his like eyes and mouth and ball really well, and can get into the lane and do that. But he kind of can lose the ball a little bit on some of his dribble stuff. But he does try. So, like, there are flashes of some off-the-dribble stuff. I mentioned the assist-turnover ratio. He's not much of a playmaker for others right now. And he's just – he. It, it's hard to explain because, like, he does have flashes of know-how, of know-how off the bounce, but it also looks, like, really awkward at times too. And then I think the other big question mark is just the shooting. Like, like it, it, it improved towards the end of the year, but – uh, look, he still shot twenty six percent from the three on the year. So, like that—that's an outstanding question, and we'll and we'll see what happens in his sophomore year. Um, take it away, BG. Yeah, I think with Kaluma, you're betting on the the way you have to project the shot is you've got to go beyond uh, the three point percentage. You've got to go even beyond the free throw percentage, which is 
not only 70 free throw attempts, just 67% shooting. So not a great indicator. He's been playing with the Ugandan national team yeah. within World Cup qualifying this summer. He's had some amazing performances, but he's also shooting in like the mid to upper 20s from downtown, albeit on uh, you know higher volume and different type of shots. But 6'7", hybrid forward, good athlete, strong, sturdy, low base, quick, physical. You see that in a, in a bunch of different ways. Lee touched on the rebounding, but... When Creighton inverts things and, and runs high-low action out of uh, their secondary offense, it, he can just carve out space in the paint immediately. And there were the game, one of the games against Marquette, uh, Justin Lewis is covering him. Justin Lewis is 6'7", 230 whatever pounds, plays on the Chicago Bulls now, like is an NBA player, and is also developed and strong. And Kaluma was still able to knife in, carve out space in the paint, seal and just present himself as a high-low option to, for, to, for you know Ryan Kalkbrenner to throw the ball to when he was the trail guy. But he can score out of the post in sort of like more deliberate, slower-developing actions too. And, and, I, and this speaks some to the one-on-one scoring that he has. He, he kind of has a bunch of different tactics he can throw at guys. He can play with his back to the basket, shot fake, up and under. You add that in with his strength, and it's kind of a nasty you know, combination. So... I think there's a chance he, he could be a guy that maybe gives you some mid-range scoring at the next level, but we're not we're not there yet. I just think some of the the, the back to the basket game and then the face up one one on one ISO mid-range shooting and scoring is is maybe something to sort of build on. And if some of the other stuff comes online, then then maybe it is something that will be a part of his package beyond playing with Uganda and beyond playing with Creighton for another season. He has impressive shot versatility, the movement shooting, not coming off down screens, but the relocations, the smooth release. It's such a, it, the shot looks like he could repeat it anytime. And that's why despite the bad percentages, I kind of buy it because he's got at times deep range with a smooth release. He just, Spencer would describe it as he shoots an easy ball. And, yes. and, and so yep. that's something that I see again, the percentages aren't there. And at the end of the day, if they're not there, then like, that's the problem. But I think there are some reasons to buy into the shot. And then within that one-on-one uh, mid-range shooting, there was one of the games I was watching. I think it was the U, one of the UConn games. He did a, a Dirk Nowitzki style one leg, one-legged fadeaway jumper. He can play at the nail. I even saw it definitely one of the UConn games from this past season, he threw in uh, one like skyhook, almost skyhook esque attempt. Maybe not a full <laughs> yes. skyhook, but yes. he's got that kind of stuff. And then within that mid range game, it's the shot fake that you talked about, the jab step and the rocker step combination. So jab, shot fake, go right. Jab, shot fake, jab, then get to the shot. Playing off of that, I mean, the the apex of this is what Kawhi Leonard does in the NBA. It's the, it's that just devastating strong face-up compact mid-range game and he can play off those tactics like if he gets the defender to bite on the shot fake or to bite on the jab then he can just overwhelm them with his power and his athleticism and get down the hill and get to the rim there are times however where it does seem like he struggles to be if, if guys stay down on that fake and he's so dependent on it and that's actually something i'd like to talk about a little bit but if guys stay down on that shot fake 
there are times where you can't just necessarily just immediately off the first step, just get around players that are bigger and slower than him. So some of that yes. sort of Jalen Johnson stuff from Duke a couple of years ago, where he has the functional strength and the functional athleticism, but maybe just not quite there in terms of first step burst. So again, he really needs that the the shot fake and the rocker step to get uh, you know to get into his bag a little bit. There are times where he is just so reliant on the shot fake, where it's almost it feels like a crutch, or he's just overly dependent on it. And when, when guys stay down, guys aren't focused on it. It doesn't do anything. Then he's caught the ball. He's in, in he's now the shot fake has created no advantage. Now he's, he's holding on to the basketball. Now it's now, what do you go to next? Sometimes that's another shot fake, by the way. So um, again, I, I just think he can, he could add do it two or three times in a possession. Yeah. And, and sometimes <laughs> it's wildly effective. Sometimes it is. Sometimes He's able to use the, that to get to a get to get to his shot or to get downhill or to the. I was watching the Uganda Nigeria game earlier today, and like he has this one possession where he's on he's on like he's on the weak side wing. His teammate uh, is probably like Ish Wainwright is posting up, and Kaluma cuts d- really nice off ball cut like cuts into the middle of the lane. Uh, his teammate picks him out off the double. Kaluma shot fakes. It gets one rotating defender in the air. Then another backline defender comes up. He shot fakes again. So no dribbles by this point, right? Just cut from the wing into the middle of the paint. Shot fake, shot fake. And then uh, another teammate in the dunker spot was wide open. He just created, it was it was a really smart and heady play that where where the shot fake really did kind of come into you know, worked out for him. So it's something he uses to attack closeouts, to get guys off balance one-on-one or at other times where he's probably just a little too reliant with it. And I kind of like when he's a little more decisive and just catch, get that ball in the air. And um, because he's shown impressive range at times. So I'm fascinated to see where that goes from here. The pick and roll creation is pretty rough at times. You know, didn't get a ton of pick and roll reps at Creighton, and he he might get he'll probably get even less next season honestly like Ryan Nemhard's back Trey Alexander's back uh, Baylor Shireman comes in so uh, you know I am a little curious to see how that develops where that goes this season doesn't look super comfortable with his handle especially going to his left I think he looks more comfortable in the pick and roll when he's able to get a switch and then can just get to that isolation mid range game he'll just pick at the mismatch or the matchup whatever that is. Um, with his ability to get downhill due to the size, due to the athleticism, he can open up these live dribble passing reads, drop-offs to cutters or guys in the dunker spot, but the processing is slow. The touch, uh, it just feels clunky. And um, I think sort of a similar vibe and output when he tries to pass in other situations too, like when he's flashing to the nail against zone defense. But um, he can he can make he can be make the extra pass along the perimeter. He can make face up skip passes on spot up possessions, kick it from the corner to the opposite wing, you know what have you for a for a spot up three. So, I think he's not like a terrible passer. There are some intriguing flashes, but the live dribble aspects of it are not great. I will say, it is fascinating to watch him play for Uganda because he's getting some possessions to be a primary initiator. Not every time, not in often he's used as a screener. He's used as a, to attack closeouts, pick and pops, whatever. 
but he is getting to play with the ball a little bit. And I'm, I'm glad he's getting those pick and roll reps because I don't know how much it's going to come this season at Creighton. I'll be curious to see how Doug McDermott decides to feature him. He's at time at the least he's aggressive in those situations, even if it's not always perfect. And he does show the ability to, to at times turn the corner collapse defenses neither finish or kick out so I, I think the the reps with the ugandan national team are, are pretty important and he's had some explosive scoring performances for them defensively all i'll say is i don't like him as an off-ball defender i think he has issues chasing guys around screens like the the, the screen nav is just not fluid it doesn't really seem to be there quite yet so is there a lateral movement issue i need to see more of that when he's off ball too heavy on the top side, guys can back cut him for layups or been two other things that I think I've picked up on a little bit, but the scoring from multiple levels of the court with that size, with that power, with that versatility, being able to play a couple of different spots, being able to rebound, being able to perhaps guard a few spots is certainly intriguing. Kaluma, one of the best returning players in the country, hands down. Yeah, no question. I think, um, I think the roster construction, like you mentioned, will be interesting this year for Creighton and kind of how those uh, how that all gets divvied up. I think he's going to be I think his efficiency is going to go up. Right. It's just going to be I don't think he's going to get a ton of reps to create out of ball screens. He's going to get he's going to play a lot and get usage and score a lot because he's good. And that's an offense that puts up points and he's going to get to play around with a lot of excellent ball handlers, passers and shooting. In, yes. a, in a five-man in Kolkbrenner that has gravity as a diver, that can post up, that can pass from the post, and has not shown the ability to pick and pop yet, but tried it a little bit this past season. So I just think Kaluma's in a – I think he's in a very good situation to just be a monster attacking closeouts, cutting, playing in transition. I, I think his efficiency is going to jump way up. But yep. I'm not sure he's going to get some of those on-ball reps that that maybe you might like to see from him, at least just to see what, what he can do, even if it's not actually in his bag, you know? No, that's that's exactly right. And and I agree with you on some of the screen nav stuff and and some of the clunkiness that he can, you know, that he can crop that can crop up at times with him. You know, I think I think I think the shooting uh, the the defensive versatility and not just being kind of like a um, four and five type defender. He's going to have to show some of that. Yeah, yeah. But with his other qualities, like I do think if he has a good year, he'll probably be in the in the first round discussion at the very least. De- I think definitely. I think the size and the athleticism are exactly just at a, at a spot where. I think you and I have a, a decent understanding of how and a lot of NBA scouts function, right? Or how exactly, front exactly. function, and they're going to see that, and it, it's just going to cause him to to be coveted as a as a prospect. I will say, you brought up his defense against McCormick in that Kansas game, the game that I watched, Uganda versus Nigeria. He guarded a lot of uh, Chimezi uh, Metu, mm-hmm. uh, who plays, I believe, for the Kings in the NBA, but. Is a what six ten two twenty five two thirty yeah and big uh, fella Metu was awesome in this game and sort of got the better of Kaluma at times but it's still good that Kaluma got reps against a twenty five year old NBA power forward center and I think there's some totally. value in that totally um, well that that wraps up our group from today. 
Um, we will be, as we said, releasing a Scoot Henderson deep dive kind of, you know, solo prospect pod at some point over the next uh, five to 10 days. So, so keep a lookout for that. Um, if you have not yet, um, look to subscribe to BuzzBeat Plus because you will get episodes that never make it to the public feed. You will get episodes earlier than the public feed um, and all sorts of other kind of cool features. So we appreciate everyone that listens, whether you're on BuzzBeat Plus or not, but take a look and see if it might be something that is worth your while. As always, thank you to everyone and all of our audience. Uh, go Hornets. We'll see you next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.